We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Welcome back, folks, to the e-commerce leader podcast. Today, we're in the middle of, I think, a fascinating discussion with Jason being the expert today on how to create digital products in three steps to unlock your potential to teach others and, of course, to make some good money for yourself. A wonderful discussion because Jason has done this multiple times. He's got over 10 books out there, many of them bestsellers. He's also done multiple courses on Udemy, has over 37,000 students on Udemy. So he's a man who really knows what he's talking about. And I'm really, for one, loving unpicking some of this great wisdom that's in there. So the second thing we're going to, the second of the three parts and the second of three episodes on this topic is going to be on the question of how do we identify the best platform to sell our goods on or through which the best medium, whether that be, for example, YouTube and video or KDP and, and Kindle Direct Publishing and Amazon for books, for example, there's other options, audio books, podcasts, etc. So we get into the, the detail of that today and um, try to figure out really how you make some choices for yourself. And that's actually more subtle than just how to get your first video on YouTube, and um, which is out there on YouTube, ironically. So it's a sort of more as much uh, about handling your own mind and making decisions as it is about anything else. So Jason's obviously been through this process multiple times himself. Very valuable stuff. So do take notes and uh, see you at the other end of the show. Enjoy the show. I think that's uh, just a, an amazing place we're in right now with so many you know publishing opportunities that exist now. And they just there's more coming up all the time. And so I think it, it breaks down along a few lines, sort of your own behavioral lines. Are you comfortable being on video or, or are you comfortable speaking or are you comfortable writing? Which of those three? And you, if you say, I hate all of those, then mm, might have some problems. But if you say, well... I really don't mind talking to people, but I'm not comfortable on camera. Well, then there you go. Podcasting could be an opportunity for you. Or if you say, no, I just like to write. I don't want to really be live with anyone or, you know, that kind of thing. Well, then maybe eBooks are an opportunity. So, you know, the modalities is what I call it in terms of publishing and then the, the platforms and they kind of are linked hand in hand. But let's just talk through some of the platforms first. You know, there are, I think what you would call sort of self-managed tools that you kind of just do whatever you want on. And then there are hosted or managed tools that you kind of have to go through hurdles to be a part of. So the self-managed tools are like YouTube channel. Anyone can start one. You can just boot it up and start doing videos. You know, Kajabi, you can create your own Kajabi site and start doing courses and, and, and publishing that way. Teachable platform, you can create your own course on Teachable and you're completely in charge of, you know, what what's there. So those self, you know, self-managed, do whatever you want kind of, tools are available. And then there are hosted or managed systems um, that are available to us. And so the hosted systems are, you know, things like Udemy, which you mentioned, I think I have 37,000 students over the over that amount now on Udemy, but other sites like Skillshare. And these are all sites that are to some degree gated, I guess you could say. You have to get something approved on them. Kindle Direct Publishing, you know, for Amazon, I guess, is somewhere in between where it's just loosely gated. Like, I mean, you can put pretty much anything in an ebook that's not dangerous or whatever. But um, 
but you know, you still have to go through a process to publish and, and the customers, of course, on Amazon are their customers, not yours. So you, you start to learn over time. Okay. What are the platforms available to me and which ones do I like or dislike the most? They all have pros and cons. And they all have a degree of complexity that you have to learn. But the beautiful part is, you know, just just go to YouTube or Udemy and and you know search for what you're trying to do. I want to publish an ebook. I want to create a you know class on Teachable. I want to you know create a podcast. Whatever it is, and the expert will emerge, and their step by step guide will walk you through how to do you know those those platforms. And so I think that's that's sort of the first question. If you had to ask me my opinion, I would say it depends. So it's not really helpful for you know, me to rank order my favorites because it would just be unique to me. Uh, and you, Michael, you probably have a list that is unique to you as well, but we all have to come up with our own unique list. Yeah, yeah that does make sense in terms of the individual pl- platforms. And, and obviously we, we have our sort of favorites. I mean, I just love podcasting as, as a social media sort of channel. And I guess it's not traditionally a, a paid medium, although it can be, it's not a, not common, yeah. but yeah, somewhere like YouTube, again, traditionally not paid, but it can be. Yeah. Uh, but one question that seems fairly fundamental to me is whether as a as an Amazon seller of physical products and versus the Shopify angle where you own the customers, I mean that does seem a profound differentiation to me. So it does. You're you're an interesting case in that you you sell physical well your your e-commerce products actually also digital downloads of course mm-hmm. on your own site, but that you publish on Amazon's platform and that you've done your courses on Udemy's platform. Mm-hmm. So tell me what your thinking is behind that that choice why not why did you not for example go down a self-hosted route where you'd have control over the customer relationship for your Mm -hmm. courses there's a real tension on sort of a spectrum uh, in this regard and on the one end of the spectrum it's like you have all the data like you, you know everything about who's buying and all that it's great that's beautiful but the other end of the spectrum is you don't have any of the data but there's a huge marketplace that exists and so if you set up your own teachable course and create whatever you want on your website and have it there, you have literally zero visibility, zero eyeballs, zero traffic. Amazon, on the other hand, has basically all the traffic in the world. And so that's the tension point. So yes, you can collect all your own data and make your own pricing decisions and make your own money on your own website. And so inherent in doing that is your need to do marketing. And so there's this kind of spectrum of, okay, what makes most sense? Go on Amazon where all the eyeballs are and a a built-in marketplace, but you don't have the data or uh, publish on your own site. And as I've already mentioned, if you approach this as a catalog business, then you say to yourself, the answer isn't either or, the answer is both and. So you use these platforms as, as appropriate and create, you know, stuff for Amazon and for the the marketplaces like Udemy. And then you can create stuff on your own website if you're willing to do the marketing. And if you're, you know, you're willing to spend time and energy and over time grow a business that is direct to consumer. And so, you know, that's the, that's the trade-off and set of tension points. And you just have to find your way forward and navigate through that spectrum. So if we had to simplify it down grossly for somebody who hasn't started a a information type business yet, but they have experience with physical products, so probably quite a few people listening, I'd imagine. Yeah. Where would you advise people to start if you had to choose between not a specific platform, Mm -hmm. but between self-hosted versus on an existing marketplace like uh, Udemy? I would encourage them to start on a marketplace like Udemy or 
KDP, Kindle, you know, publishing for eBooks, that kind of thing. I, I would go to a marketplace first. Yeah, for sure. And then learn over time. Do you like this? Do you like teaching? Is it a fun? Is it an exciting? Is it energizing? Do you feel like you're getting some momentum forward and then build from there? Makes a lot of sense. And what I guess I like about it is, as we've discussed with the physical product creation from scratch in the past, that if there are lots of moving parts to these things, so it's bad enough trying to create a course or, you know, it's complex enough, shall we say, maybe exciting, but also have its, mm-hmm. its doubt points, I guess. And one of the things I guess you can bypass is the need to worry about building traffic sources and, and conversion rates and all that because Udemy yeah. is doing it for you for right. courses or Amazon's doing it for books. So yeah. that does make sense. Okay, very, very interesting. So now we've got another huge area of, of questions <laughs> having, as you suggested, you may be doing video courses, you may be doing books. So those are a couple mm-hmm. of forms that the teaching can actually take. But tell us a bit more about your thinking about how do we actually express our help? Yeah, I call those the modalities of the content. What modality is it in? I don't know if that's the right word or not, but it just makes sense in my mind. So that means, is it a video-based teaching? Is it a webinar where you kind of use PowerPoint and you know, kind of voiceover PowerPoint. Is it a ebook? Is it a ebook and the companion paperback and or companion audiobook? Like, you know, how the kind of trifecta on Amazon. Is it group coaching or one-on-one coaching? Is it free YouTube videos? You know, is it a podcast? There's so many modalities. And and again, this goes back to sort of what you're most comfortable with. If you're most comfortable um, with, you know, conversation then, you know, maybe podcasting is the way to go. If you're most comfortable writing your thoughts out and working on it, refining it before anybody sees it, maybe writing is a way to go. And maybe if uh, you, you like video, but you want it to be structured, then you do sort of the webinar format where you've got like, you know, slide one, slide two, slide three, and you can talk through it, but you're still kind of, you know, on camera. And so these modalities are just the fielder's choice here. It depends on what your personality is and which one you're most comfortable with. And I think over time, what we do as educators is we do one that we're most comfortable with and then we try the next one and we end up over time getting comfortable with each of these modalities and we find the ones that work best for us, for our audience and for growing our, our you know, followership, our, our listeners or readers, our viewers and, and go from there. So I guess what you're trying to, what you're saying is, is start with kind of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And then over time, you're going to develop more modalities anyway mm-hmm. by necessities. Is that? And it's horses for courses. Yeah. I mean, okay. there's so many options. It's kind of like what suits you best. Mm-hmm. You know, like, in, are you a mudder? Which is the old Seinfeld joke, right? The horse that runs good in mud, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, are you are you good, you know, better at writing where you have iterative process or not? Or are you better at just impromptu conversation? And, and there you go. So th- that's the that's the thing to start to narrow down on. And once you say, oh, I'm most comfortable with this, so I'm going to learn how to do how, you know, how to do it as best I can. It's interesting. I I was reflecting, I think I was reading a book by Neil Strauss who wrote The Game. So don't judge me. He's now kind of moved out of that, but a very interesting writer and thinker. He just happened to be in a pretty ghastly field for a while, which thank goodness he's moved out of. But he said that whenever he interviewed somebody, because he was a, a writer for some a paper out in the LA, I think. Mm-hmm. So whenever he wrote interview somebody who just could not stop talking in vast amounts, they were basically either on drugs or a writer, which is interesting. So somebody's very, very detail oriented. The way I write outlines for podcasts yeah. indicates to me that I should be thinking about writing a book because I'm just mm-hmm. too detail oriented. So sometimes you've got to know yourself a bit, haven't you? And, and get a hint mm-hmm. about you may be doing mm-hmm. A, but B yeah. is calling. And in my case, I guess that's books for sure. But yeah. the other thing that strikes me is that there's a huge and really unsubtle price point difference 
in expectation and at reality price point, but between books and video courses particularly. So books generally seem to sell for yeah. pretty modest amounts and video courses traditionally go for anywhere between 200 bucks and even up to 2000 if you can really push it on your own site. So what are your thoughts about that? Does that push you in a particular direction or do you think that's uh, the lure of fool's gold? I think there's a lot of various opportunity depending on what you want to do. There are people who have monetized YouTube channels that are rich and they just make YouTube videos and upload them and they don't worry about any of the financial details. They don't worry about price points or, or anything. They just make content, just put it on YouTube and they're educators in their own right. And so, you know, it's deceptively simple that way. There are other people, of course, who do a lot of videos on YouTube and it goes nowhere. So, the, it is a fundamental question. I think there's a, a very, you know, unique set of opportunities for all of us as educators to play with the different ideas. And, you know, you, you can make a $5,000 course and you can get people to buy it. You can also get rich making content for free. It's just mm -hmm. such a, a device. Like, well, what do you make of that? It's like, there's just many paths. And the question is, do you understand the monetization strategy behind each one? And, you know, if you're going to go for amazingly good content on YouTube that you give away for free, you understand, of course, the, the monetization of that on the back end through the YouTube ad, you know, system and what that would mean for you. And if you want to sell eBooks through KDP or, or, or paperback, you understand what the monetization system means and you learn these things over time. And I would just say, again, like my mantra is treat this like a catalog business where you do one thing and you try it and like, oh, I made fill in the amount. You try a different thing and you say, oh, I made a different amount. Maybe it's more, maybe it's less. And over, you know, two or three or four projects, what you'll come to realize is there are things that you can do that are more profitable than others and you find your way forward. And so the, the, I, there's no one perfect uh, answer. I think what is really, really important is to get good at your trade craft as best you can. Are you helpful? Do people enjoy your content? Is it witty and interesting? And, you know, do people, you know, want to pick it up and, 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 and jump into it with you? And those components are the root of, you know, the profitability. And so, I mean, I think that's the most important thing to think about. You know, you think of someone like, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, who is just an, an insanely good author. And you ask yourself the question, how, how is he different than Jason Miles, author who's maybe, let's be honest, I mean, not, not nearly as popular in any way, shape or form. It does come down to tradecraft. And so, you know, I, I think to me at the end of the day, this is about challenging yourself to get better at something and, and being realistic with yourself about saying, well, I might be average at this, but man, I'm going to try 10 times in a row until I can get from, you know, C in grade schools, grades to C plus. And then maybe I can get from C plus to B minus. And that's how I like to look at it. And with an honesty about the level at which you're operating but then this the desire to improve upon it over time. So hopefully that helps a little. I don't know if I went off on a tangent there, but no, not at all. I, I think this is all really helpful. I mean, the one the one thing that makes stands out to me so much with the word treat it like a catalog business. 
really the same advice you'd give anyone selling physical products on a yeah. store, whether it's on Amazon or your own store. Yeah. Very, very interesting that actually there's such a big overlap, which makes me yeah. think that, that one of the things you've said before, and I think it's worth just reiterating that you've had success with your clients doing this. This isn't something I've tried to teach yet, but mm-hmm. that really the division is artificial anyway, that people with physical products mm-hmm. stores, especially their own like Shopify, but probably not limited really should be looking into adding physical products, uh, sorry, digital products, which we've talked about separately yeah. before, but just let's just tie that in. So that the word catalog is the, the crossover for me. What yeah. are your thoughts? Well, if you think about it in reality, if you pull up your phone and you tap on two or three or four buttons and you've gotten something, tell me whether that was a digital product or a physical product right now. I mean, you can't. Great question. It, yeah, it, it, it's no difference. People buy digital products, essentially. People they, buy, yeah. the, the buying process is yeah. exactly the same. You're right. You're I mean, right. like Cinnamon, we were driving to, to see the new Avengers movie yesterday. And she and I, I told her, I'm trying to do a computer project. And, and I said, let's just buy this on Amazon. So she looked on her phone on Amazon, bought me a couple things with literally two taps, and it's going to be delivered today to our house. And I just said to her, that is just so amazing. But, you know, that could have been an information product just as easy. And and so in in actual reality the e-commerce business has digitized the whole entire thing. And so there is no distinction for customers between a digital good and a physical good in terms of the buying and you know process and all that. It's an artificial barrier we're putting in our mind when we as the business owner or marketer or product manager say to ourselves I'm not in the digital goods space. That is an arbitrary distinction that we would be, I think, very smart to jam together with, you know, what we're really doing, which is just selling stuff. I like it. That, you're, this is a great insight. I mean, I suppose that would encourage anyone who's listening, who's saying, why, why am I bothering to listen to this apart from, you know, I subscribed to, yeah. to Jason and Michael a while ago, in, but I sell physical goods. Why is this relevant? Mm-hmm. And I guess you just had your answer yeah. that everyone's buying digital goods and sometimes the delivery pathway is digital and sometimes mm-hmm. a, a guy it's turns physical. up at your door from UPS. So it's really weird, stuff. isn't it, to think about? It is, it's so true. It is it's very so weird. I mean, yeah. I was saying to people, when people buy on, on Amazon, they're buying an offer. They're not buying the physical goods. Right. Yes, if your physical goods allows you, you'll get a rubbish review, and that mm-hmm. will affect the digital process. But really, mm-hmm. what they're buying is a promise. They're buying yeah. an offer. And and to your point, I guess if the offer is then delivered in the form of something digital, yep. from the marketing point of view, it's not really any different. I mean, the delivery is is difficult. But as we've said already, I mean, physical products take a lot of money and have to travel around the world. So they're vulnerable yep. to war and trade issues and, and physical capacity constraints. Whereas the digital products, obviously not prone to those. So if nothing else, in 2021, when physical products are so so challenging, mm-hmm. yeah. it's worth taking this this seriously all over again. So yeah. the next thing we've got to talk about then, you mentioned is the third step, reinvesting your proceeds. I mean, that's that's quite a sort of grown-up conversation to have when if we haven't necessarily even sold a product yet, a digital product. Yeah. And why, why is that in your list when it's sort of relatively early days for a lot of us? Hey folks, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The E-Commerce Leader. We're in the middle of uh, a three-episode mini-series on how to create and choose your own digital products and, and how to make the most money from them as well. So today's topic was all about uh, choosing modalities. In other words, is it video, is it a book, audio book, podcast, etc.? 
and then platforms is it youtube is it skillshare you know udemy etc now one interesting question that came up that i thought was very valuable is if you have to choose between a self-hosted platform where yes you get control but you have to find the audience and you get the traffic versus going to an existing place for example udemy if you're selling a digital course or Amazon or KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing, if you're selling a book, then Jason's advice is start with the latter, start with an established platform that at least brings the traffic. And yes, you don't get to control the relationship with the audience, but at least they solve that problem of the traffic piece. So sounds like great advice. In the end, if you're thinking about it as a catalogue, then you're going to end up trying both quite potentially. Um, so that was an interesting one for me. And the best modality really, uh, again, very simple advice from, from Jason, which is start with what's your comfort zone. So if you love video recording, then do that. If you like writing, if you're more comfortable away from the camera, do that. But over time, you're going to develop your skill set anyway. So it doesn't have to be either or over time. You're going to end up probably doing what I've ended up doing, for example. And what Jason and I are doing is, is doing a podcast, which is also a video. Jason's done pretty much everything else in terms of information marketing. So the podcast was the last piece that he hadn't done. And that's why we ended up collaborating on it. So there's an example of somebody who went from writing through to online courses and then YouTube and, and now finally podcasting. So that is probably going to happen for you as well. And that was an interesting thing to learn as well the final piece for me that was a reality check from jason is the idea that in my mind that there's a price point that varies hugely between modalities books traditionally you get a lot less than online courses but as jason pointed out absolutely rightly there are people who become rich just from focusing on youtube so i guess what i'm taking from that is focus on what you're good at and, and get good at something rather than chasing the the dollar and that makes sense to me. The irony being, of course, if you do something really, really well, you're going to make more money than if you just chase the money in the first place. And that seems to be a common theme that I've seen and again and again in business, in my own life, in my clients and also with Jason. So fascinating stuff. Um, as I say, I think I learned a huge amount about this and I've had a lot of conversations with Jason thanks to the podcast. So hope you've enjoyed it as well. If you are enjoying the e-commerce leader and you want to keep hearing this good stuff, then don't forget to subscribe. We're actually going to reward you very handsomely for that right now. If you subscribe before the end of July 2021, then you can enter the contest to win potentially a $250 Visa gift card. So if you want to enter the contest, just go to www.contest.theecommerceleader.com. That's contest with no S, .theecommerceleader.com. And you could win a $250 Visa gift card just for subscribing to the show. That's how much it means to us. Meanwhile, very many thanks for giving of your time and effort. Much appreciated. I hope you're enjoying the show and see you next time on the e-commerce leader podcast. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vizi in London, England and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.